0: hey kids love yellow or oh, we've got a live album coming out
1: This is face the music an electric light orchestra song by song podcast. The Night the Light Went On in Long Beach Bonus Tracks. Listener comments, album information, reviews, and outtakes. I'm Eric Paul Johnson. And I'm Eric Winsensen. And this is a Bonus Tracks episode of The Night the Light Went On in Long Beach. And in the Bonus track episodes, we read the listener comments about the songs that we covered from the album. This time it's my turn to give album facts about the album and to talk about what we thought of the album and then there'll be outtakes from each episode where we talked about the album. So with that out of the way, let's get right to it. Those letters, I love those letters. Let's find out what you got to say. Oh boy! Mailman, mail today. Starting off with comments about the live version of Daybreaker. We've got MJ Folds and he says,
0: I enjoy this version a lot. In fact, I bought the reissued CD before I got On The Third Day CD, so it is the version I loved first. I thought the song worked really well and was a great performance. I couldn't see why Bev was so down on this album in his book before realizing the album had been sonically improved for CD.
1: And it was designed to be an opening number for their concerts that they did. And it does work well as an opening concert number. Yes, it does quite well for the live version of showdown. I'm, you know, I'm just going to stop saying live version. It's a live album. All these songs we're going to be talking about, they were live showdown. Stacy Reed said, finally, listen to one of your podcasts. And now I get why people generally do not like your posts respectively. It's not my cup of tea. This show sucks. Well, not everybody's going to like everything, but we get a lot of likes and hearts and a lot of listens. And currently, when I checked yesterday, I haven't added up numbers today or the last couple days. The total number of listens that we've gotten since February 17th, first episode that was posted, we're up to over 12,000 listens. So we're doing pretty good and a lot of people are listening.
0: That That's good, of course, not everybody is going to like what they hear, and oh, for me, that, that's perfectly fine.
1: Yep, and we'll just find out where you live and smash your windshield.
0: Uh, no, we will find out where you live and send you a box of chocolates.
1: And then smash the windshield.
0: Uh, we will not do any windshield smashing.
1: Can I smash the windshield?
0: You can smash your own windshield. I don't have a car. Well, then you can buy one specifically to smash
1: the windshield. All right. I see no reason why this should go wrong. Okay. You're an idiot. Up next is Day Tripper.
0: Pam Van Allen says the Beatles version of Day Tripper contains the radio-friendly She's a Big Teaser. Jeff unabashedly tells it like it is. She's a prick teaser. I'm not so sure this song contains any drug references. Seems to be all about sex and the lack of it.
1: I haven't had
0: sex with a woman!
1: Teddy Scott said, Yeah, I've always known this, but what I don't know is What's a prick teaser?
0: Oh boy. Here's where we actually start getting our Twitter fame. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll let Amy Costello answer this one because it looks like a lot less problem (laughs) for (laughs) us at the moment. It's one who makes fun of cacti.
1: I hate when people do that. James Sampson said she's a what now? What? I never picked up on Jeff's prick here (laughs) since this comment came in i've been meaning to listen to it to see if i hear it and i bet you now for the rest of my life i am going to hear prick teaser instead of big teaser so thank you pam for that
0: so before we get to the next one which has uh yeah
1: we're done with the prick comments yeah
0: nothing to do with that that was actually the original line in the beatles song Hmm. but yeah it it got changed if you're wondering it means it's um a woman who um uh oh boy, how do I put this? It's a it's a woman who um promises and does not deliver. That's the easiest way of putting it without um ending up with us with a number of hashtags that have nothing to do with yellow.
1: Right. She's a tease.
0: Right. That's not really a line you would have used back in the nineteen sixties, so yeah, they, no. did. they did change it. I'd have to re-listen to the BLO version to see if that actually is what he's saying.
1: I did not know that about the Beatles version. I I didn't know they went there. Or almost went there.
0: Yeah, well, they did the four of fish and finger pie in Strawberry Fields Forever. Or is that... No, that's Penny Lane. Sorry about that. Penny Lane, no. yeah. The four of fish and finger pie in Penny Lane. And, uh, well, that is a uh, term for a woman's anatomy and uh that somehow actually made it on there because nobody knew what they were talking about
1: honestly i didn't even think of going there until now yeah i thought unfortunately, maybe it was something... john and,
0: john and paul did and decided to see what they could get away
1: with mm-hmm. i thought maybe some sort of f- disgusting english food fish pie and you eat it with your hands like it's a, a hot pocket or something i now it's taken on a completely different meaning for me thank you eric
0: Oh, you're welcome. I'm so happy to do this. Ask me about fish tacos sometime.
1: Yeah, I think maybe we'll just move on and you can just uh, go Sounds ahead and the comment. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. And on that joyous note, let us get on with the show.
0: Mary Dixon says, I was telling this 27 or so in line behind me that seeing Jeff Lynne was the closest he can get to seeing the Beatles or a Beatle. Some boomers in front of me turned, shot me a look and scoffed. Obviously not a real fan.
1: Yeah, I have uh, noticed this. I mean, I've been alive since 1969, so I remember ELO and and their big and famous and, and the, their popular years. I'm not someone who was born in well after they broke up and now I'm just looking back through charts and Wikipedia posts and stuff like that. I do remember that, yes, ELO was popular on the radio. They were selling records. But I also remember sort of a, a, a turned-up nose, like, <laughs> ugh, ELO, they're just radio-friendly <laughs> Fortunately, my generation, at least those of us that know, and the generation that has come after, they don't have that snobbishness that they apply to Elo. They dig it and they, you know, they give Elo the respect that they really should have. Yeah, Beatles, but you know, so is pretty much just about every band that came after 1964, there's definitely Beatles influence and stuff. I mean, I was even surprised when I found out that Ozzy Osbourne and Led Zeppelin were inspired by the Beatles. So, the Beatles pretty much are in just about everything for like maybe the next 30, 40 years after 1964. And, you know, the Beatles did pick Jeff to produce them. And he produced two of their songs and they loved what he did, so... Um, I would say that makes him Beatle by default.
0: Yeah, He also produced entire George Harrison album, as well as Traveling Wilburys and everything like that. So yeah, he was not somebody where the Beatles themselves ever scoffed at him.
1: Yeah, produced one of my favorite are Paul McCartney albums, produced Flaming Pie, or a bunch of songs on that one. Ringo played on ELO album Zoom, so there's like a whole bunch of Beatles that are intermingling with Jeff Lynne and ELO in each other's projects, so it's, it's, he's, he's almost like a, a, a real Beatle, kind of. So I would say the Beatle-E-L-O thing, I'd say it's pretty, pretty accurate.
0: Yeah, because it's pretty much what they would have sounded like if they would have continued in a lot of ways. Yeah. Which, uh, unfortunately, as it gets into these days, uh, I'll kind of get an idea of what they would have sounded like if they would have continued, which there's always, you may wish for your bands to continue forever, but there's always a reason sometimes why they have broken
1: up. Yeah, would you want a Beatles album with Moon on it? I, I wouldn't. C-moon, C-moon, oh, C-moon, oh, we... Doug Payton said, Just found this podcast, and I'm loving it. Doing some catch-up with some episodes regarding songs that I've heard on the early albums, or those that I'd heard a bit about. As much as an ELO fan as I am, I'm not too enamored with the early work. Glad I'm not alone. Great job, and I love how you end on a cute note with Madeline's review. I discovered ELO during Out of the Blue days, and then listened to a New World record at the same time, and was hooked. I'll be especially listening to your reviews when you get there. For the album Time, I actually came up with a movie plot for it, as it clearly is telling a story. When you get there, perhaps I'll toss it your way. I wonder if you've thought about reviewing any of the fan-made mega mixes. My favorite is one done by a guy who goes by Newly and uses the beat from Don't Bring Me Down as the glue to hold it all together. Keep up the good work. Thank you. I'm glad you found it and loved it. As for time, when I was 15, I got halfway through writing a novel based on time. So you're not the only one who did some fan fiction about time. Um, reviewing fan-made mega mixes? N- no there's going to be already a lot of ELO songs that we're going to go through. And at some point, I kind of like seeing that there's an end to this podcast series. I mean, I like doing it. I like putting the stuff out there for people to hear and making all that stuff. But it's also nice to see that at someday there's going to be an end and I can find some other project to do, which is probably what's going to happen, even though I always tell myself, okay, I finished this. Now, don't do anything else just kind of cool out and relax and then i have an idea oh i should do a buckner and garcia pac-man fever podcast now go on forever so uh, sticking strictly with the elo songs no elo side solo projects no Jeff Lynne solo recordings or productions or or fan mega mixes just whatever is under the electric light orchestra name but I, I do have that Mega Mix. I found it, I don't know, like 10 years ago, and it is pretty damn good. It's a lot of fun to listen to.
0: So that means I can't drag you into a Hawkwind song-by-song podcast? <sighs>
1: See here's what happened on my honeymoon and I feel like what you just said would probably apply. Me and Tulla went to an amusement park. It was one of our trips on our honeymoon and she said we should go on that ride and I was like okay so we got on it and she was giggling. I was terrified and when we got off I said I'm not doing that again. So I kind of feel like you saying, sure let's do oh sure I'll do that with you and then once I get on I'm gonna find out it's probably never gonna stop.
0: That's true. <laughs> yeah, they. I think they have. They may have more songs than ELO. <laughs> well, I'm just not as many songs that are good. But uh, yeah. even though I love Hawkwind, but uh, they, yeah, they have more songs than ELO. And or I could. Hey, you know I drag you into a residence uh, <laughs> song by song, and they're still making stuff.
1: Yeah yeah they so. are i mean there's worse there's zappa
0: i'm still trying to get through just finding all zappa albums at the moment yeah. so
1: and frank sinatra recorded from the 30s into the 90s so there's 60 years of songs mm-hmm. yeah no i'm just good with this ELO one and then who knows maybe i will do that pac-man fever one that, that was only eight songs i can get through that So, 105.38 Overture.
0: Scott Seguin. Oh man, these are short as hell so I can get caught up in seconds. The podcast is great. And that... that, That's kind of the point of trying to keep them at a certain length.
1: That's why they're under 15 minutes. Although I just finished mixing the uh, Can't Get It Out of My Head one. We go a little long, but it's Can't Get It Out of My Head. And it's only a minute and a half longer. But yeah, because I don't have the attention span to listen to these hour-long, two-hour-long podcasts that discuss half-hour episodes of sitcoms. There was a Seinfeld podcast, and I listened to it for a while, and then when I saw that one episode they were discussing, one half-hour episode, went on for two and a half hours? I was, Forget it, I'm out, and I haven't been back since. If an episode of your podcast is going to be longer than Star Wars, It better be better than Star Wars. Don't
0: do me like that. Yeah, I have myself watched a lot of reaction videos having to do with albums and songs and everything I like. And typically if they're more than about 15 to 20 minutes longer than the song, yeah, unless you're really talking about something interesting, Mm -hmm. yeah, I find myself fast forwarding through everything.
1: Yeah, I think a good podcast, no longer than a half hour. A really good one, you can cap it at an hour. There's a Star Trek podcast. Well, it was the one that gave me the idea to do this one, uh, Mission Log. They were about an hour, maybe sometimes a little over, but it's Star Trek, so I'm interested. But other podcasts, I just tune them out, and catch up on my email and Facebook, and then it's I hear them st- talking, and I'm just like... Oh, you guys are still going on. I completely lost track of what you guys were talking about.
0: By that time, I'm seeing the whole list of other stuff that I want to listen to. That's all of a sudden got my interest rather than wanting to hear whoever it is Babylon.
1: Yeah, so that's, I'm right there with it. You. When you're telling these little stories, have a point. Zach Mummert. Yeah, this show is Podcast Town's best kept secret. Podcast Town is a Facebook group, and I always post link to every episode over there, so that's what Podcast Town is. Okay,
0: and then Simon Arnold says, there were so many versions of this over the years, just like Showdown.
1: For Mick Solo, Corinne Cronfley, or Karim C. Cronfly, sorry, said, there is an ELO podcast? Must subscribe. So, there you go. Another yes. new listener. I thank God that Dream came <laughs> true.
0: Simon Arnold says, Face the Music could be considered their country album. Most bands in 1975 were doing it. Um, no. I don't see that.
1: No, Down Home...
0: That's where they started slightly dabbling with disco.
1: A little bit, yeah, with Evil Woman. Um, yeah. Yeah, Down Home Town, that would be country-ish from that album. But Fire on High, that's pretty much straight-up rock. Waterfall, that's a light rock song. Evil Woman, there's your pop rock song. Uh, Night Rider, that's a ELO rock song. Poker, that is straight up hard rock song. Strange Magic, there's your sweet love rock ballad. Down Hometown Country, One Summer Dream, that's another ELO rock ballad. Other than Down Hometown, I don't see country anywhere on that album. That ain't the way I heard it. Mark Herring said, love the interview with Bev in the history segment, but I must've missed the puking dogs nearby. <laughs>
0: Mike Faber says, great podcast by the Eric's
1: Name spelled wrong.
0: I was not going to mention it. (laughs) It's one
1: of of my pet peeves, but I'll let it slide because he likes the podcast, so
0: exactly so I let it go yeah
1: I won't smash his windshield
0: great podcast by the Eric's. like what you're doing and where the show is going a true love of the band but from an honest point of view and if you like it or not you will put it out there please do keep it up cheers
1: well thank you and yes I have no plans to stop it I know there's some podcasts where people go in all full blown and ready to do it and they get a few episodes in they get kind of burnt out and go away I don't do that kind of thing It's a sort of like partial obsession when I start doing something I get into it and I want to see it right to the end so up until probably Handle With Care from Wembley Wembley or Bust unless there's an album after that we're going to keep going right through the end At least I am. We'll see how long Eric holds up.
0: Well, that's kind of why I actually agreed to do it is because typically I don't agree to do these things unless somebody's actually dedicated and willing to go through the whole thing because I've been invited to do so many projects and agree to do so many projects and mainly about as far as the project goes is sitting around brainstorming and arguing and then forgetting about it
1: yeah it's that's happened to me a lot too so when I put out a call for a co-host I was wondering well whoever does this I wonder if they're gonna make it through the whole thing or if at some point I'm gonna have to find another co-host so it's is it's another plus for that Eric chimed in he's not a super fan He knows a lot about music and he'll stick with it that worked out well doesn't that make you feel dandy for in the Hall of the Mountain King Pam Van Allen said maybe liver version is appropriate although I kind of like what i saw when i first read it maybe liver version is appropriate
0: so next up we got great balls of fire and aaron jansen says much improved from the version they did with roy wood i tried finding an example of this but any portion of the gig has been taken down or just flagged dead for copyright years ago i could find a dvd version of the guilford civic hall gig 1972 for sale on amazon but decided to not buy it because it was all on YouTube. Shame. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't anything great, but it was a must-have for a diehard like myself.
1: And I can understand that. I mean, when you collect, you kind of want everything from that band. So even if it wasn't great, I would have liked to have seen it too. And I've made the same mistake that he's made. Oh, it's on the internet. It'll be there forever. I'll get back to it later. And then... It's gone. Yeah, I
0: did that with some actual songs I did before. <laughs> Remember mp3.com? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it got bought out by Universal so that they could kill people's creativity, and they took everything down. So
1: Sounds about right.
0: Yeah, should have saved those things. <laughs> yeah like any songs i do are actually really that good but still
1: i know i understand i'm the same way i save everything that i've made
0: you guys have to remember that when we were kids we had to start off with baking clay tablets and so things have improved a little bit on the storage end
1: what are you a couple of nitwits think it's funny being old simon arnold said long beach is a great version also on flashback you can hear that and all the top 20 guitar riffs from chuck berry hits on rollover beethoven it does sound better on flashback than record album that i have so that's uh i would agree with him there
0: and then morton s erickson says love the live version especially the drumming seems more powerful on studio recording in my opinion and love the podcast finally a podcast
1: on elo thank you very much i'll pass your message on to stacy reed she'll be glad to hear it so good Mm -hmm.
0: nothing was ever
1: so good So, this one came in to our Gmail account. Someone wrote us an email from Martin Coates. Hi guys, really liking the podcast. I am old enough to have bought, and been excited by, the first ELO LP. I would have been 15 when it came out, and as I was getting into prog rock, ELP, yes, Genesis, ELO were the singles band the others never aspired to. Here in the UK, the singles chart were a little bit tame. Mungo Jerry, Frida Payne, Lee Marvin, Simon & Garfunkel, Free, Rod Stewart, and the beginning of the glam rock with T-Rex. So ELO to me were shining stars. The first LP seemed good at the time, but hasn't aged well. I was a big fan of On the Third Day, as it seemed to have great tunes and fantastic orchestrations. So when El Dorado came out, I was confused. The music was good, but the songs were short, almost singles material, and not the direction I thought the band should be taking. By the time Face the Music was released, of course the future path of VLO was plain to see. Great songs, great arrangements, and a great band of musicians. With the release of a new world record, Out of the Blue, Discovery, and Time, they just got better and better. Here's a question though. In the song The Diary of Horace Wimp, a simple boy meets girl song. I've always wondered if the girl in the song was written about before. Listen to Girl at the Window by The Idol Race, just band before he joined the move. And it's a simple song of girl meets boy, just saying. I've seen Jeff Lynn's ELO several times live over the years, going later this month, and I am always amazed just how good the sound of the band is. Even playing big venues like O2 in London. Keep up the good work. Thank you. We will. Um, As for the horse Wimp and Girl at the Window thing, Uh, thank you for letting me know. I'll keep that in mind when we get to Horace Wimp, which will be in November 2019, so just about a year away. How do you do, Mr. Sponsor, how do you do? Here's the time for a commercial for you. We'd be glad to put it in if you'll get up a tin. How do you do, Mr. Sponsor, how do you do? (laughs)
0: What's <laughs> up? <World's-butter. laughs>
1: Midnight on the Water, a novel by Pam Van Allen, tells the story of Horace, a man with a bank job in the city, who escapes from his dreary lonely life into an elaborate dream world of knights, shamans, and merry men. Based on the 1974 Electric Light Orchestra album El Dorado, Midnight on the Water by Pam Van Allen is available at Amazon.com Now that we've gone through the album, what do you think of the night the light went on in Long Beach.
0: Keep in mind I've I have not heard the old muddy version so I'm going by the remixed version it's okay if you weren't a big fan of the band it might have a little bit more of an impact which is kind of what it was meant to do but to tell you the truth if that was the first YOLO album that I bought it would be hard to convince me to buy much more. Yeah. If if this was the only thing that was in my country and I've been hearing about ELO and this is what I get, especially if it was the older, muddy version, yeah, I would have had to have somebody really convince me to try them again. I wouldn't say it would be like buying Love Beach as your first Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album. Yeah. But, yeah, it's because I don't think there's anything, there's few things in the world that are as bad as Love Beach. But this is it's it's okay i would probably give it two and a half to three stars hmm. which believe it or not is about where most live albums with me hover anyway so yeah it, it's not like i'm saying it's a horrible album but it's i think they lost out an opportunity to show the rest of their songs being played live at the time i don't know my opinion of it might be different if all the songs they left off of here were actually on here
1: yeah well i know this was a record company idea and the record company was gonna do this no matter what and i know it's rare for some record executive to have a really bad idea and then make that bad idea happen um certainly never happened much in the history of recording but this album was a bad idea this was a bad album and not just for the sound quality of the original i think it does a really good job of showing off elo's skills as a band they do an excellent job of playing these songs and i think it shows off whether it was jeff or richard tandy or both and their creativity to take the cover songs and do different things with them like in a day tripper where they have all those classical synthesizing stuff in there and but if you're trying to sell ELO as, as a live show, um, this would have been a bad time to do that. Out of, I, I don't know, eight or nine songs on this album, half of them are remakes, so you really don't show off much of the ELO catalog. And it's a bad idea for a band to put out a live album when you've only got three albums that have sold eh, moderately in some countries. On the Third Day had bombed in England And what, at the time, what? They had three, maybe four singles And again, some of those were hits in England None of them were hits in America And you're trying to sell this into countries Where they don't know ELO so well So you give them this album That doesn't show off a lot of their songs And what it does include Are singles that really didn't get much play Or know about in those countries So this was a bad album. If they were going to do a live album or forced to do one, it should have came out in like 78 when they were at just the height of their fame and, and all that. So yeah, this is not the best representation of ELO Live. And I actually like the cover songs more than I like the original ELO songs on are on it. So yeah, I'd give it two and a half stars. But other than that, i it's, other than the Beatles remake and Mix solo, Great Balls of Fire, it's, it, eh, eh, not really much interested in the album.
0: What really gets me is typically live albums in the 70s were meant to kind of signal a time when the band was changing their sound, or when the band was, uh, it was kind of a thing where you say, okay, this is what we've done up to now and and get prepared for what we're going to do. Yeah. Blue Oyster Cult's On Your Feet or On Your Knees came out right after their first three classic albums did and right before they kind of more commercialized their sound with Agents of Fortune. And so you can say, okay, here's where they switch gears to this. Mm -hmm. And then after that, unfortunately, most of their live albums just basically, meant, oh, We're, we're out of material at the moment.
1: Yeah. But... Here are the hits, but with a stadium echo. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But I love that band, and they've done the same thing with Some Enchanted Evening. It's about their equivalent of the night the lights went on in Long Beach. Right. But this doesn't real. I mean, there is a big change in the sound mm-hmm. after this. Oh, yeah. But this doesn't really gather and say, here's us at this particular point. Yeah. It's, uh, well, we uh, took a live show and butchered it and uh, <laughs> yeah. here's some stuff and hope nobody ever hears this album
1: <laughs> let's hope it never leaks out <laughs> of these three countries that it's been going to yeah. yeah.
0: let's hope there's never this technological revolution to where people can share music no matter how obscure and how old and wherever it came from over this medium where everything that I, we've ever done including probably scrubbing myself down in the shower <laughs> can now be heard
1: to everybody on the globe forever Yeah. Yes. Was it a hit or was it? The night the light went on in Long Beach was recorded on May 12th, 1974. Despite the big words on the master tape box saying, ROUGH MIX, DO NOT USE. That recording was pressed into vinyl and released in Germany and a few other European countries in August 1974. Due to the horrible sound quality, the album bombed and became such an embarrassment to the band that they sued to have distribution of the album stopped. In 1985, a somewhat better remaster was pressed, and in 1998, after finding the right tape intended for the album, it was remastered in pretty digital sound and released on CD. However, the album was never officially released in America. It filtered into the country through imports. And now, outtakes. Game Breaker
0: So, they do a live performance of it and kind of get the audience all worked up for Hey, we're going to make a live album, and there'll probably be times in here where they, we ask you to sing along, and 20-minute drum solo, and... Oh, and we overdubbed everything because the uh, bass player got into the studio and made sure he drowned everybody out.
1: Right. Okay, well, that's it, yeah, for, so <laughs> that's it for this no, episode. Actually,
0: actually, it's pretty good live recording of the song, and yeah, I, I wasn't really expecting too much different on it, simply because, yeah, about how it was supposed to be performed. It was conceived as a live performance to begin with, so...
1: All right, and that's it for this week's episode. Next week, it's...
0: Showdown Live. Thank you.
1: That's all I needed. Yeah.
0: Some of the big, 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 huge bands have everything to where they can get it sounding like they want to live, but most people, they're just lucky that they don't just have mic feedback throughout their entire performance.
1: Yeah, it's like what I said last week. This is the most accurate sounding live album I've heard.
0: Yeah, so far, because yeah, um, I've, I've seen bands with orchestras, but I've never seen a band like Electric Light Orchestra where you would have some cellos and violins that are actually mixed in with the rock part. Usually if they're doing this, they're doing a full orchestra in the back that's actually rehearsed with the band, worked on the songs, and it sounds like it's all together. Yeah. And the band's usually playing at the same speed as the orchestra, too. And it sounds like pretentious garbage usually as well. So, (laughs) looking at you, scorpions. Anyway. (laughs) Nobody (laughs) needs to to do a symphony version of Rocky Like a Hurricane.
1: Why? (laughs) Just why? I'm not a big scorpions person. Well, I'm not a scorpions person at all. But Hmm. why? You're a
0: centipede person now. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) A little reference to his uh, little uh, insect problems, which may uh, pale uh, in comparison.
1: Yeah, I didn't run into these things all the time in Phoenix, but out here I keep seeing them on the walls. I hear they're harmless, but they still look creepy.
0: <laughs> there are centipedes. They're large centipedes in caves that eat birds.
1: And that's why I'm glad I don't live in a cave.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think we're I think we're going beyond subject here. Anything else to say about uh this version of Showdown before we uh close it out and uh about Go sh- on to the next one.
1: About Showdown, no, but about live albums and stuff like that, yeah, but that can be saved for another... We still got, like, I don't know, five or six more songs to go through, so... Yep, yep. And, you
0: and you will, will hear us whine and complain, and complain about, about live complain albums, albums all the way through, most likely.
1: Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. Because <laughs> this is going to be our only chance to do it. That's,
0: That's true, true, because wisely, sleep. Jeff Lynn, Jeff didn't, Lynn decide didn't decide to release... release to release a stopgap filler album every two releases like a lot of bands did in the 70s.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they only did uh, ELO. There's only two other live ELO albums. Yeah, I could probably stop recording. It. Yeah. Day Tripper. Ah, we
0: got strings again then.
1: Uh, yes. There's a... Actually, I'm going to cut this up part out. But okay. yeah, next week's it's a uh, m- mix, solo, Orange Blossom...
0: Oh, Orange Blossom Special. Okay, so now i going to get my country fiddle.
1: Yes, and you will. <laughs> <I>
0: do, <laughs> yeah, because Orange Blossom a, Special is a classic country fiddle song.
1: Yes, there's... Uh, so, <laughs> there's a, <laughs>
0: it's 1930s country songs, so... Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so there's a fiddle solo, and then, and then the whole band breaks into sort of like a country hoedown kind of thing, so... Next week, you'll get your wish.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Ah. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> well, I, I, I like it. I Those synthesizer things, that, that always grabs me. Yeah, it's pretty much a standard-issue live cover of a Beatles song where Jeff Ling gets to pretend to be a Beatle. But the synthesizer stuff, that was the stuff that made me say, Oh, oh, that is so cool!
0: Right, because that was the stuff I liked. Um, yeah. More of that, and uh, would have been... I mean... Uh yeah, just just more that just more of that all throughout would have been would have been a lot, a lot better because they didn't even. I mean, I don't even care really. In some cases, that they stick with the actual song. They you start doing something interesting with it. Yeah, I don't ca- I don't care what what the actual song really sounded like, because I don't want to hear a, just a cover or just just a note by note cover of the song anyway.
1: So, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it, it's it's nineteen seventy four, so. Beatles, I was gonna say haven't been played to death, but I guess they haven't been played to death with another 40 years of play to death on top of right? that played to death. So, but I dig it, I guess that's all I okay. got. Okay, I think that's
0: that's everything on Day Tripper there. Yeah, you're right, 65, by the way.
1: I thought so. That's what I was doing, that's what I was fiddling around <laughs> with over here. Was uh, 10538. Well, in Bevan's book. Uh, he said that when they were touring America with, um, <laughs> when he they, did w- that one in,
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we got stuff for the outtakes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Win uh, or roll over Beethoven. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah. That's, that's the thing is that, yeah, roll over Beethoven. That wasn't that big of a hit, but it was enough to get some people listening to him and, yeah. uh, it's still good that it wasn't I I still stick by that it's good that it wasn't the big hit that they were hoping for because that would have been it. Mhm.
1: Get... novelty group. Sorry. Yeah.
0: You're you're done on on uh US radio forever.
1: Mhm. Did get to number I... 42 here in America, so that's pretty close.
0: Yeah, I just went through uh my some of my big country stuff and Big Country released three of the best best albums of the 1980s. You'll never know. Nope. Because, unfortunately, in a big country, was treated as a novelty hit because of the guitar sounding like a bagpipe, and mm-hmm. that's all that she wrote.
1: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Vicky Lawrence from Golden Girls, if I remember right, too. No.
1: <laughs> Mama's family.
0: Mama's family. That. Yeah. Was it. She
1: um, her career just keeps getting worse and worse as it went on. I mean, I liked her on Carol Burnett, but after, I don't even want to think about Mama's family. Huh?
0: I remember watching that occasionally, but yeah. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it didn't really ring too well for me, and at the time, it, well, but of course, the age I was, it wasn't really made for me anyway. <laughs>
1: uh, it it we're, we're diverting, and this will probably wind up an outtake. Yes. But I, <laughs> The mama, okay, the Mama's, mama's family, yeah. Vicky Lawrence. Okay, so yeah. the Mama's Family bit worked better on Carol Burnett than on its own show. Oh, on its okay. own show it was just ungodly stupid. But anyway, okay, <laughs> that's about it for me. <laughs> uh,
0: that's it for okay. me. What are okay. we doing next week?
1: Next week we get the the Mick Kaminsky violin solo. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, and this week we cut out a whole bunch. Yeah, even though we just went 11 minutes, we cut out at about two minutes of Mama's family. That's fine. I yeah. got I got plenty of stuff. I was prepared for these uh...
0: mix solo. It's also wonderful how he switches from violin to fiddle in the middle of it.
1: Yeah. Well, you know. I
0: know a bunch of people are going are, are going. Oh. Okay, that's a joke. Just so you know, before all the all the uh, replies come in, that 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 is a joke. <coughs> and that's a cough.
1: Yes, it is, <laughs> which will be edited out. Yep,
0: yeah, we will. We will. Um, So I gave you a nice space to edit there
1: So I'm going to float An ELO conspiracy That obviously is not true But it's the the early 21st century, never let the truth Get in the way of a crackpot conspiracy theory And my conspiracy Theory is that Jeff Lynne is dead And that the proof is here On this album And he died sometime after this album And maybe before El Dorado was released Because when you listen to this album and you hear Jeff introduce songs or say hello to the crowd, his voice is different. It's deeper. It's more booming. And then after this, let me do that again without hitting the chair. And then after this, he's got that smooth breathy voice that he's always had. So like 1974, Jeff is about 27, 26 at this point your voice is set for life until you get like maybe into your 70s or 80s and then things start to wither away so how would you explain the voice change clearly jeff died like paul mccartney elo needed jeff they found a replacement and this is the replacement that we've had since then because even the music changed after this album So it's clearly a replacement Jeff Lynne that's been in charge of ELO that's been going on since the middle of 1974 when the original Jeff Lynne was tragically killed in a cello explosion pyrotechnics thing during one of the concerts. Um, Prove me wrong. Jeff Lynne, come on our show. Bring your birth certificate to prove it. Here in America, we prefer the long form birth certificate. (laughs) Or maybe better yet, bring a death certificate. And if you can't produce a death certificate, then clearly this whole thing that I've said is true, because you're just towing the, the line of the conspiracy. So Paul McCartney, Jeff Flynn died a long time ago, replaced with lookalikes, and there you go. I see no reason why any of this could be wrong in any way.
0: Um... <laughs> Well, for one thing you need to deliver this properly. You've lit his dead.
1: I have the proof. That's right, I need, I need to be more crazier.
0: Exactly. You, yeah. you got you gotta go full Alex
1: Jones. <laughs> that brings up a whole Whole mess of sexual innuendo that I don't want to go into.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. So is this your segue to let the audience know that we're going to be advertising fake male enhancement products to, uh, to everybody for a while now?
1: I've got college debt to pay off, so yes, we're going to whatever brings in the money. No, I
0: can tell. I can give you 100% proof that Jeff Lynn has been alive this entire time.
1: So he got to you too, did he?
0: Nope. <laughs> no. There's 100% proof that he's always been alive.
1: Well, what's that proof?
0: Name one other white guy other than the drummer for Grand Funk Railroad that can pull <clears throat> off that fro.
1: That's a good point. I was going to say Ron Polillo, horse Shack from from Welcome by Carter. Cotter. But you notice you never saw Ron Polillo and Jeff Lynne in the same place at the same time. So...
0: Well, you really haven't seen Ron Palillo
1: any place, no, not For since he a died long, long time, <laughs> so there you go. maybe this e l o Jeff Lynn that's out. This is their third Jeff Lynn. It's like the doctor. they keep replacing Jeff Lynn's as they go on. So when Ron Palillo died, what are we gonna do? We need a Jeff Lynn to produce this album. We need a Jeff Lynn to go out and tour with this new e l o Let's find a new one. This conspiracy gets deeper. the more. You go into it, and the more I deeply inhale a bag of Sharpies sealed tightly over my head.
0: Yeah. Or you're, or you're just bitter because you uh, want to go see him, but you don't want to drive four hours.
1: Why can't he come to St. Louis? Is it really that hard for him?
0: <laughs> because everybody's afraid of St. Louis.
1: It's right between two dates. He's playing in <laughs> Rosemont that's Chicago, and I think he's playing in Kansas City or somewhere out there. It's... We're right smack in the middle. Just stop in St. Louis. So that's pretty much all I got.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. So you came up with an entire idea of how to stretch this out for a violin solo that, so we have a longer podcast than the violin solo.
1: So we have something else to talk about, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Well, guess what? I don't think he's coming to Phoenix either, so...
1: yeah. Came to Utah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't
0: know. My friend, took my my a friend of mine in Utah took his kids. So lucky pop. So by the way, that should make you happy because later generations still enjoying uh, ELO.
1: They've re- all right. I'm gonna stop recording now. Mountain
0: King. could have been the thought process too. However, on the third day, did do pretty well in Australia, and that's one of the for the night. The light went on in Long Beach simply because they wanted Australia to hear how the band sounded live, because that particular point in time, Australia was something you really had to plan for uh, on your world tour, so...
1: Yeah, and you probably had to be a pretty big name to want to go through the hassle and the cost of your show traveling all the way to Australia. Exactly. And ELO was a name. They weren't a big name yet, but they were getting there, but... I don't think big enough to where they the cost and hassle of a 26, 30-hour plane trip, not to mention all the stage equipment and all that stuff that, yeah, that you wouldn't want to put up with for that long of a trip. Oh, and Jeff is terrified of flying, or oh, okay. he was back then. I don't know if he's gotten over it, but back then, yeah, he was terrified of flying.
0: And that is a long, long trip there.
1: That is a long time to be sealed up in an airplane when you're terrified of flying, yeah. Yes,
0: and not to mention when you land and you're automatically assaulted by poisonous spiders and snakes and large roving gangs trying to take over fuel refineries, yeah,
1: and boxing kangaroos yeah. running loose, that kind of stuff, yeah. Yep. I've always heard and that he
0: he wanted the he wanted the more um, upbeat songs and everything on there just to kind of get people excited about coming out to the tour if he had to do it.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. Cause I, with the CDs version, I, you got seventy-four minutes. But with a single album back then, you had forty-five. If you push it, you had fifty minutes. You could
0: push it to sixty. Yeah, you could really push a single album to sixty if you knew had if you had somebody who knew how to cut it right. Yeah, which. There were very few people, even back then, who could cut an album at 60 minutes, a single album at 60 minutes, and actually make it sound good. Because otherwise, you had a severe drop in sound quality.
1: Which you really don't want with this album, because it already has that severe drop in sound quality.
0: Right, yeah. Um, Most of the time, 50 minutes was about as far as somebody was willing to um, stretch it. Yeah, that was because that was one thing Iron Maiden used to brag about is because they could do a fifty-minute album and make it sound and still make it make it sound good simply because they hired somebody who knew how to, who specifically who knew how to cut an album to make it sound good at fifty minutes instead, instead of most of the um, people who would master an album and even at fifty minutes you'd all of a sudden have a complete volume drop. Yeah. So. so
1: I Think that's about all I got for this one.
0: That's about all this one. So, okay. uh, on to some great balls of fire, and I'm not talking about something you need injections for.
1: Yeah, you might want to go to the clinic for those balls of fire. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> great balls of fire. I don't know if I have much more to say about great balls of fire.
0: No, it is a great version of the song. should have been the single, but, well, they go for the Beatles tune.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, see, I just, I, just, I know this is where we differed last time we brought it up. I I thought the day tripper, yes, day tripper. <laughs> Cause last week I kept saying daybreaker when I meant day tripper, or the other way around. Day tripper. I loved a live version of day tripper. I know you were kind of eh about it. But I think Beatlemania sells better than Jerry yeah. Lee Lewis mania in the mid seventies. So. True. Probably while they went with the Beatles single. Exactly. Ow. Anyway. Gary Lee Lewis knows how to get them young. <laughs> he sure did. And at this point in his life, there isn't anybody who's younger than him.
0: Sure, that, who that
1: isn't is true. who isn't younger than him. Yeah. I think I think, we're off. I think yeah, <laughs> I think that's good. <laughs> Taste the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, assorted deli meats amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word about the show by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast and get some good at patreon.com slash pod next week episode 032 El Dorado Overture